All right, in today's episode, we're going to scale you from 80,000 to 80 million with Mr. Thomas Beyer. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. Hey gang, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. So you're in for a special treat. I had to go into the way back time machine, into the archives and into the tickle trunk. Well, I guess I'm really showing my age with that last reference, Mr. Dress Up with the tickle trunk. But in this episode that's coming out, so first and foremost, you're going to get another four-part interview series. And what I'm going to do in this interview series, and you know, I had some feedback the last time I released a four-part interview series. Now, just as an FYI, guys, I'm always open for feedback. I'm always open to listen. I always want to improve. So the feedback I got the last time was the person, a couple of people responded back and said, Russell, I can't wait another week in order to get the next part of the lesson. So here's what I'm doing. I'm breaking this into four parts. They're all going to be probably under a half an hour in timeline. But here's what I'm going to do is I'm going to release for the next two weeks, I'm going to release two per week on Tuesday, the normal day where we release the podcast. And the second episode I'm going to release for the week will be on Friday. So you will be getting an episode. This will be a four-part interview, and you will be getting it on Tuesday and Friday for the next two weeks. So it'll be more of a manageable time, and it won't be as long of a gap between it. But, but here's the thing that I encourage you to do would be when you do listen to the episode. What are you going to implement from the episode? What actions are you going to take? Write the list. It's not about the consuming and the consumption of all the episodes, all hour and a half of it. The point about it is take in what you learn and what are you going to do with what you learn? Okay, so that's that's the set up the context. So a couple more things here. Number one is I'm going to put this out here. It's interesting. As I was just sitting down to write and record the opening for the four-part interview series, I'm sitting there going, how do I want to describe Thomas? And Thomas is one of those people that he just, he's amazing at what he does. He is one of a very influential person in my life who has helped me tremendously on my journey towards my real estate success or on my path of success. I haven't (laughs) fully got all the success I want in real estate. I am on the path and on the journey to move forward. So Thomas is very influential. And you will get that he is very soft-spoken. He is also uh, has a fairly, you know, thick German accent. So you may have to listen very intently to to hear this. And uh, we we go really deep into a couple of really big topics. We go deep into, you know, growing and scaling. As the opening tease to this episode started with, we talk about how do you go from 80,000 to 80 million and more. I think at Thomas's peak, I think he had over 2,000 properties that he had transacted at that time. We talk about the path to go forward. How do you bust through those fears? How do you raise the capital? What are some very simple steps, something that everybody can do, whether you're just getting started or whether you're a professional in the game of real estate? What are some of the simple things? A couple of the ones that really stood out for me was um, when he talked about the follow-up, putting things into a really simple spreadsheet so that you can just follow up with people and tracking the follow-up communication with them. But the main thing that really struck home with me was the one about, are you known for something? When somebody asks you, what do you specialize in? Are you specifically known for something? And then we took a really deep dive look into raising public capital. 
How do you go out into the public on raising capital? We talked about some of the exemptions. How do you protect yourself from securities commissions? So there's an incredible depth of wisdom, incredible depth of knowledge from this podcast that you will 100% go through here and you will get from this as well. Now, the last thing I want to share with you before we cut right to the interview is, is so I was sitting here and I did a project just recently, cleaning out the garage. Well, that's pretty exciting, Russ. I hope you're not going to tell us about your cleaning of the garage project. Well, here's where it's going to benefit you is the cleaning of the garage. So in the garage, I found this box from Amazon. I go, holy moly, there's this thing here. And then I looked inside and I go, holy moly, there is an entire stack of books in here. This is um, Thomas Byers' book from Lessons, 80 Lessons Learned from the Journey from 80,000 to 80 million. So I have 17 books sitting here and I want to give them away. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to do a little, um, we're going to do a little contest if you will. We're going to have a review contest and we're going to have a comment contest. So here's what I would love to do. I will 100% give you a free copy of this book. I will pay for the shipping. I will pay for everything. I've already bought the books. They are free of charge for you, but you have to do something for me, please. If you can go on to Apple Podcasts, okay? And if you can leave a review, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. And I'm going to keep this open starting from the first episode. and I'll keep it open for one month. So here's what I want you to do is leave the review. If you can do me a huge favor, if you can just screenshot it. And then if you can send an email to hello at russellwestcott.com. If you want, you can also get the information from my website. I'll also leave a link in the show notes below. So Apple podcast review, email me that. And then including in the email, send me your name and full shipping address. And I will send you that book free of charge directly to your door and you will be able to have the 80 lessons learned book from Mr. Thomas Beyer. Okay, gang. So with all that being said, let's just get right after it. Let's please help me welcome Mr. Thomas Beyer. All right, welcome back, everybody. Russell Westcott here. I've been looking forward to this interview for a long time. And I'm not going to, you know, I'll cut in an intro before this, but I just want to get right to it. We have so much to talk about. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to my good friend, Thomas Byer. Thomas, how are you? Hi, Russell. Thank you for meeting me. So, Thomas, we, we're having a little a fireside chat here, if you will, without, without the fire, because it, it's, it's summer. Right. <laughs> and... Uh, First of all, Thomas, thank you for taking me on a, an unbelievable tour of your, your place here. So for everyone, if you're watching, we're in um, the University of BC, UBC um, campus, right on campus. And this is a fantastic penthouse that we're in. And maybe I'll get some shots here for everyone. But so Thomas says, has real estate been able to buy this place for you? Or is it just your good looks and, and your, all your talent? Um, yes, real estate, we, we actually ended up selling in 2007 into the boom, which was, you know, over 10 years ago. We sold about half the assets in Alberta, and specifically, we had bought a building in 2015 for about 42,000 a door for about four and a half million dollars, and we sold for 9.9 million dollars about two and a half years later. Well, that, that's good. That's very yeah. good. And I happen to be a 30 percent. I mean, that was our one of our first syndications uh, on a larger scale. But I was a 30 percent owner of the profits, so that enabled us to put an offer on this condo. We ended up buying it in 2009. Nice. So almost nine years ago now. Now, it's funny. I, I sent over the agenda and all the questions I wanted to talk to Thomas and the intention map and all these wonderful things. Thomas sent back, goes, um, just as an FYI, <laughs> we are spending three days together. <laughs> so so we have, we have a lot to go over. But I, first of all, I think there's a, 
you know, unfortunately, and fortunately, there's a lot of people that don't know who Thomas Beyer is. You're not retired, but you've you've started, you know, downsizing a little bit with many of your projects and things like that. So, so for people that want to know who Thomas Beyer is, uh, maybe just give us the the quick Cole's notes. That that accent isn't Albertan, I understand. It's it's Southern Alberta. Actually. Southern Alberta. Yeah. Canmore and Calgary. So you mentioned retirement. I mean, retired and retarded is sometimes closely related. <laughs> and so to me, retired is more of a financial state. Mm. Um, and I'm more like a shark. And, and I don't know if you know what sharks, if they stop swimming, they die. Right. So I think I will always do some deals for the rest of my life. But the question is really one of intensity and, and maybe dollar volume and, and how many partners you engage. And, right. and you know, I'm, I'm in my late 50s now, so I'm not as energetic as I maybe used to be when I was Russell's young age or in my 30s. Oh, was there too. <laughs> you know, so, so, sort of, so my 30s and my 40s was sort of the boom, boom, buy real estate as much as you can, as leave it as you can, and grow the asset base and grow the net worth. Mm-hmm. And now I have a substantial net worth and I'm trying to protect it and monetize it. Right? And we have right. obviously... You're, you're- optimization, harvesting, and any opportunities. You still are taking opportunities on all the time. You showed me in your office and maybe we'll do a quick tour through there and show some of the projects you're working on right now. Well, I mean, I've been in real estate for about 20 years because I'm a software engineer by training. I came from uh, Europe, specifically Germany, to Canada in, in 86 as an immigrant with a very sick accent. Yeah. Of course, I'm sad that the German team just uh, got kicked out of the FIFA World Cup in Russia. Yes, and we're going to date that by saying that. That's all good. (laughs) And uh, I uh, was running software projects on a large scale. I was in software marketing. But my first job actually was in Burnaby, just close to Vancouver in 88 to 1990. And the same headlines you, you've seen the last few years in Vancouver about real estate boom and who can afford it, it's really expensive and prices are inflated. Those same headlines were in the newspaper 30 years ago in the late 80s. Right? And, it's and, almost and, like they recycled the, recycled the headlines. <laughs> and the light bulb really went on when I talked to one of my colleagues in the software development and just chatting at the fires at the, at the cooler. And he said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I own about 10 houses. She was of, of, uh, of Asian descent. So oh, you own 10 houses in, Bung- in, in Burnaby. Oh, oh, interesting. And I, I knew that year because of all the money coming from Hong Kong in the late 80s, those prices in, in Burnaby went up about $100,000 a unit from about one fifty to two fifty for an average bungalow in Burnaby. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, being quick with math, I realized, wow, she made a million dollars this year just in net worth improvement by having only, only these 10 bungalows, which went from one fifty to two fifty on average. So she made a million dollars this year. So what does she know that I do not? Right. So that was in about 88, 89. And again, same headlines. 250, can you imagine? I mean, completely unsustainable. Who can afford a bungalow and burn for 250? Must come down, you know, average price to wage ratio, you know, blah, blah, blah. Same headlines as today. And of course, that, that bungalow today in Burnaby is probably 1.2 to 1.5 million. Right. Wow. And it's going to be 2 million in, in probably maybe, you know, by the 2020s. That's when light bulb went on. We ended up moving back to Germany for about two and a half years, um, had kids and, you know, life goes on and career and yet didn't have time to pick up that initial light bulb of, I got to do something real estate. But when I actually walked through Munich, where I had studied, all of a sudden I realized there's all these buildings in Munich, like in any city, but you walk through the street, there's buildings everywhere. So I, I wondered, like, who owns these buildings? I mean, it never occurred to me ever in my life that 
any building you walk in any city is owned by someone. It's either the government or it's some club or it's usually individuals or groups or some pension funds. But all of a sudden, you're actually aware of what's out there. And it's, oh, there's an office building or someone owns that. What, you know, what are the numbers? What, what's an average rent here? Oh, there's a nice bungalow. What's that worth? Oh, there's a condo on the fifth floor. What's that worth? I mean, I'd never even thought about that until my probably early 30s. Right? Right. It was just buildings are there, houses are there. So it didn't even occur to me. So Somebody all, of sudden, all of a sudden you're aware, right? So one, and once you have awareness, then you can also fill that with knowledge, right? So I took a course with Raymond Aaron. Many of you might know in Toronto. Raymond's still around and we're kicking yeah, around. And he had a course, $99. I teach you how to become a millionaire and really said, I said, yeah, right, whatever. But two-day weekend course, like nine bucks. Hey, what hey, can I lose, you know? Hey, Raymond, if you're still doing real estate, here's a testimonial for you. Yeah, for somebody bought your $99 and course. I ended up writing a book about it. Actually, yeah. one, one of the quotes and, and people are thanking the book is actually Raymond Aaron. And I should actually send, send you that book and maybe you do lunch at some point. So that, that also kickstart more knowledge. And I didn't do anything until we actually moved to Calgary in, uh, in the 90s, mid-90s. And then I actually ended up buying a condo, hence the book title, you know, 80 lessons learned from 80,000 to 80 million, because my first condo was $80,000. Right. Yeah, about 95, let me say, right? What, 20, it's 23 years ago now. And, and do you still own that place? Or? That I didn't, I, I do not. I sold it for about 140, 150. Right. But a year later, I bought a condo in Edmonton mm-hmm. for about 80,000. That I still own today, 20 years later, you know. And went through the booms and busts. And know. then you branched out into different things. You were had a, like a property management company. You were managing, you were acquiring like crazy. I remember every rain meeting I was going to, they had things called infomercials would come up there and Thomas would get up there. And, and uh, your tagline was, hi, I'm Thomas. I, I'm a buyer. No, I'm, I'm Thomas Buyer. I'm Thomas Buyer, rarely a seller. Right. right? So it was like quite, yeah, quite yeah, catchy. Because, <laughs> because the idea is you have to acquire real estate, right? Yes. I mean, knowledge obviously helps, right? And what Russell does here, you know, groups like like Rain or Aussie Jurek. I mean, these are all good good groups to join, obviously, in and knowledge in books. You know, there's many authors, Don Campbell. I mean, many, many authors have, have written uh, valuable books. That's all very good stuff. You want to obviously learn and uh, take in this knowledge, but you got to act at some point. At some point, you got to jump in the water if you want to swim and get right. wet. And, you know, maybe you drown a bit and get wet and you get water in your mouth and your ears, but you know, usually don't drown in the yeah. first attempt. And you can continue your, your learning as you do stuff. So you buy a condo, you buy a house, and maybe you pay too much for it. But hey, you learn something and next time you will be better, you know. And and as time went on, you branched out in multifamily. At the peak of your not empire, because your empire is growing all the time. At the peak of your acquisition phase of owning, what assets under management do you think number you had and what number of units would that be? Well, the peak was probably about five, six years ago, about $125 million. $125 million. Okay. Of assets under management. Um, it included one very large asset uh, near Dallas in the U.S. with 300 units, which we, we bought for $13 million in 2007 and almost lost it in the 08 09 recession with 30% vacancies and you know, massive cash injections required for, for repairs. And we, we sailed through, but it was really, really tight. And we ended up selling it about a year and a half ago for $25 million. So what did you buy it for again, sir? 13 13, and essentially you doubled it. Well, not, not Al- quite. Almost. But, but of course, as a mortgage, we had, we had a $10 million mortgage. What actually happened in this building specifically, we bought in September of 07. And like we when was Lehman Brothers was right after that, wasn't it? Well, it, exactly. <laughs> because usually when we buy older buildings, which have lots of uh, upside, rental upside and renovation requirements, you usually get a short-term mortgage, maybe a one or two-year mortgage. You fix the building up, then you refinance with higher values like that. And that's a very good uh, value add and wealth creation strategy. We were thinking about that and almost locked, almost got a one-year mortgage to the renovations and refinance mm-hmm. in September of 08. 
And that was the month when Lehman Brothers and AIG collapsed and the credit market in the US was frozen completely for about six months until about February, March 2019. We probably would have lost the building then. Right. We didn't know that, of course, in September of 2017. We ended up locking in a 10-year mortgage at 7%. I think it was 6.9 and we had a, a small second mortgage at 13%, but the blended rate was like 7.1% for 10 years with very tight cash flow, you can imagine, for the first few years until maybe 2010. And then finally, it really improved really nicely until we end up selling into a big boom. Well, and I imagine also getting into 30% vacancies and things like that, too. Oh. That was probably cash flow is non-existent for a while. Absolutely. Right, right. until you, you fixed it, normalizing it. And we make the joke about if, if I had some hair that I let grow, too, it would we'd have very similar hair color. Well, what's the joke that you I saw you use on stage about your, your hair color? Oh, yeah. I do color my hair. It's called Wisdom by L'Oreal. Yeah, Wisdom by L'Oreal. <laughs> uh, so $125 million in assets under management. Now, at, at the peak. Today, the peak. today, we're probably down to maybe 75 because we ended up selling. And I ended up moving specifically to apartment buildings because after I bought the third condo on all of them around $80,000, I realized, wow, I think apartment buildings or, or condos are priced like flour. If you and I buy a pound of flour, mm -hmm. we pay a certain price. But yeah. if you're a baker, you buy a 30 pound sack, yes. you pay a lot less per pound. But you don't, you and I don't need 30 pounds, right? Yeah. We need one or two pounds. So we buy smaller quantities and we pay a lot more per pound, probably double, mm -hmm. right? But the baker buys a whole sack, 30 pounds, 50 pounds, 100 pounds. And of course, he pays a lot less per, per pound. So same, same flour, yeah. same is true for apartment buildings. So at the time, and I bought these condos for around 80,000 in, in the late 90s, an apartment building in Edmonton was around mid 30s to mid 40s a door. Mm. similar and i ended up buying a 15 sweeter in 2000 and then a 24 sweeter and a 20 sweeter about a year two years later yeah. and that was with my own money and then i added partners after the third building hey everyone sure hope you're enjoying today's episode just wanted to take a quick pause in today's show to share with you a real estate investing and financing tip that has helped many investors scale up their portfolio Data-driven decisions and having a roadmap are two of the most important fundamentals for real estate investing success. When it comes to financing income properties, it is critical to take a strategic approach versus a traditional transactional approach to financing. A transactional approach is when your lender or broker just speaks to you about the deal at hand versus sitting down and helping you with your plans of financing and putting a roadmap together for your next properties. Do you have the critical answers to start, grow, and scale your portfolios? Answers to some key questions such as, where will the money come from to keep acquiring your properties? How do you structure your deal strategically while not painting yourself into a corner with future financing? And how to proactively manage your borrowing power? These are just a few of the key questions you need answers. If you're looking to grow your portfolio and you're looking to structure your financing strategically, I suggest you speak with one of the team members at Streetwise Mortgages. They have helped thousands of investors scale up their portfolios and also get into the game of real estate investing. The financing roadmap is complimentary for every client who works with Streetwise Mortgages. Best of all, on top of the financing roadmap, you'll receive a summary report on the top 18 Ontario markets. Plus, you'll receive a comprehensive deep dive research report on the market of your choice of the top 18. I'm currently looking at one of these reports right now 
now, and they are comprehensive and deep data-driven decision materials for you to make the right decision. I highly recommend you take a look at this if you are interested in starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing portfolio. To book a planning session and develop your financing roadmap, email info at streetwisemortgages.com. That's info at streetwisemortgages.com. There'll also be a link in the show notes below. Now back to the show. Obviously, in order to get to $125 million in assets under management, you didn't have all that money in your bank, a bank account. No, I did not. In fact, I came to Canada with less than a thousand bucks in my jeans and I didn't know so you know, so you accomplished quite a bit over the over the last you know, 20, 30 years. And now there's probably still only a thousand dollars in your jeans. Well, Every, well, it's owned by other assets and other it's protected under under veils. Well, but it's also <laughs> called cash is trash, right? I mean we, we are in an inflationary environment and so forth. You want to have some cash, obviously, as reserves, right? But I, I still like the idea of borrowing money at today, maybe three and a half percent. And if you invest that at more than three and a half percent, hopefully five or six or seven, which is called a cap rate in buildings, you usually come out okay, right? Okay. So you had to learn the art and the science of raising capital. In essence, in order to get $125 million at its peak, under there, and you did not have all the assets. You probably sell, sold one or refinanced and things like that. But you had to actually go to other people to raise capital. Absolutely. Right? And so and it's very common, right? I mean, many, especially larger buildings, office buildings, whatever, shopping centers are usually owned by groups. Mm-hmm. There's usually more than one guy behind. It might be a family, might be two brothers, might be 10 dentists, right? It's That's very common, actually. Yeah. So what in your ballpark number, I'm not looking for the exact dollar, but you may have it. I know how detailed you are. What would be your best estimation of the capital you and your companies have raised over the years? You probably raised about $45 million. About $45 million. So Over maybe a 10, 12-year period. Right? right. So suffice it to say you know a few things about how to raise capital from other yes, people. Right? And that's why we're here talking with Thomas Beyer is because he's just such a wealth of knowledge on this. So, but you said you had to start with, you had to start somewhere. Did you start with family? Who was the first? No, as I said, I mean, the first was that condo. I yes. mean, we, we, before that, we ended up owning a house in Toronto where we lived for three years. I was working at IBM in Toronto before we moved to Calgary and we all owned a house there. We actually lost money in the house in Toronto. Um, I think we paid 230 and sold it for like 200. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we bought a similar house for 200 in Calgary and we ended up selling that. I'm not sure actually higher, but not a lot higher. Mm-hmm. Then we moved to Canmore, lived there for almost 10 years and that, you know, we built a house and then that, that really went up in value substantially. Yeah. But that was not per se an investment property, but I still believe, and as a chapter in my book about that, that you ought to own the biggest house you can afford. And that, of course, depends highly on your on your income, right? Mm-hmm. Some people can afford a one-person studio, and some people can afford a ten-bedroom acreage, right? right. It's, it's really that's an individual statement. But on average, if you live in any urban environment today in North America or Europe, or even in North, in Africa or Asia, with immigration and with population growth, it's a fairly good assumption that prices will be higher mm-hmm. ten years from now, twenty years from now. I mean, we don't know how much higher. But you go to Egypt, you go to Munich, you go to Vienna, you go to South Carolina, you go to Mexico City, it doesn't matter. Prices today will be higher than they were 10 years ago, 20 right. years ago, 30 years ago. It's just the law of inflation, really. It's, it's yeah, a, so if you own a house today for a million, let's say, and that's on average, let's say in Calgary, a nicer house than a house for 500,000. Mm-hmm. So if you can afford a house for a million, then buy that. Because in 20 years, that'll be, that's going to be worth, let's say, 20, uh, 2 million. Right. Versus a $500,000 house will be also double, will be worth a million. So in one house, you made a million, and also you made half a million. Right. So I still think it makes sense to buy the biggest house you can afford, keeping in mind you got to f- 
pay the, your mortgage usually, there's no income. So to multiply and to, to want to buy more buildings or more houses than your own personal mm-hmm. residence, you got to have cash flow, obviously. Yeah. You don't get rich on the cash flow, but that's what is required to pay your bills every month. So. Well, makes sense. So when you first stepped out into capital outside of your own resources, was that within the, the family? Was it in close acquaintances? Who, who was the, the first, what you would consider the first time you ever raised capital from somebody outside? You start usually with people you know. Yeah. And you start with people who have some money, obviously, right? So, so one thing is that you got to talk to the person where you can write a check. That might be your aunt, it might be your, your uncle, it might be your father, it might be your, your rich brother, it might be your, your grandmother, it might be your golf buddy, right? And so, yeah, I talked to my dad and then eventually talked to some friends I knew. And, and today, I mean, the, the technical term is closed business associates, but people you know in your network, people you've worked, you know, maybe you went to school with, people yeah. you from your bowling club or from your church or from your golf club, right? People you hang out there that they know you and they trust you and say, hey, here's 100,000 or here's 50,000 or whatever you, you, you need for that acquisition. So I ended up buying these three condos. I sold one and I ended up buying three of the buildings with my own cash, a bit of cash for my dad. And then I sold the first building and doubled my money. And all of a sudden, you have a, you have a story to tell. Right? right? Because any person who has money wants to know how to invest it. Yep. In fact, when I started, I got $100,000 extra from my software career. And I had no clue what to do with $100,000, except spend it and buy me a new car. But I, no one teaches you how to invest money mm. unless you specifically actually go out there and, and, and learn it. But uh, all of a sudden, I got 100000 extra. So what would I do with that? And then I started looking into how to buy multifamily and go to, go to Edmonton and talk to realtors and property managers and end up buying a building with 15 units with 100,000 cash, roughly $570,000 mortgage, right. or $500,000 mortgage roughly, um, with fees and stuff. It was about 37, 38 a door. I drive by this building frequently, 1910, 156th Street in Edmonton. It looks exactly the same today, 20 years later, <laughs> right? It still looks ugly. It still looks weeds growing, you know. But guess what? That building I bought for 37 a door and sold for 50 a door. Mm-hmm. I doubled my money. Today is probably worth about 110 a door, mm-hmm. right? I should have kept that building. Yeah. Would have made, been a, a millionaire just on that one building. Well, but at the same time, you were, you were doing things for, for a couple of reasons. Number one was you were, you were building a track record that you could tell to other people because you knew the, the route to go was to raise capital from other people. And you needed to have a track record in order to show that to other people. Right. The other thing you were doing was you were learning and you were going through the process. You went through the process of buying, you went through the process of owning, you went through the process of selling. Correct. So you did it all. Correct. So then you could tell somebody, goes, I, when you're looking at somebody and you're trying to raise $100,000 from somebody, I have personal experience of buying, holding, and selling. And here are my results in black and white exactly. would you like to participate and that's a very powerful story right and, and so you you have to become an expert at least not a true expert but at least an expertise beyond the average human in a location let's say edmonton or calgary or wherever you think there is a upside saskatoon whatever it is and a certain property type because mm-hmm. you can't be a specialist in saskatoon and in regina and in pei and in halifax and in edmonton and in office buildings and apartment buildings yeah. and in mobile home parks and in duplexes and in shopping centers. You, you cannot, right? You, you got to focus and say, okay, I want to be an expert in, in my case, apartment, smaller apartment buildings in Edmonton. That's right. where I started. And the tighter the niche, the tighter the specialty, 
the tighter that people will be attracted to you right. and the better your results because you're, you're focusing on it. Yeah. You become the, one of the best at it. Yeah, and you did, in your case, you did a lot of townhouses also in Edmonton, right? And after a while, you know with a 220, let's say, for a townhouse, is that a good deal or is that overpriced? Mm -hmm. After a while, you know, I wouldn't know that because I'm not a townhouse specialist in Edmonton. But you would know that because you go there and say, yeah, 225, that's a good price, is a really good deal because the average is at 245, 250. Yeah. But the average guy wouldn't know that. It needs a lot of experience to say, this is a really good deal. You got to put on a contract fast. And, and right. I can very confidently say I, one of the best things I do know is which townhouse is not to buy. <laughs> well, well, of course. I mean, I mean, that, that, I mean part, of, part of winning, in fact, part of selling is actually because I, I spent three years in sales at IBM. Part of selling or part of attracting joint venture partners is also learning where not to go yes. or, or to disengage quickly because some people just waste your time and you go there for lunch and dinner have meetings and send them brochures and send them performers and, and spend time on the phone and they will never invest with you right, right. so you got to learn also to cut the cord quickly and, and differentiate between yeah this this guy is really serious and it's worth the extra 10 hours of, of follow-up and the other three guys you know what i put them on my list and send them an email perhaps but that's it you nice. know? so i think time time is relevant because time is actually limited right you had only 24 hours a day Nice. Well, we're here with Thomas Beyer, and we're actually just getting warmed up. We have some more segments here. I'm just going to do a real quick reset of the cameras, and we're going to dive head first into raising of capital. Once you start exhausting your family and friends, what do you do once you have to go outside of that group? And we're going to take it, you know, we're going to put our water wings on and we're going to dive into the deep end of the pool. So if you're watching this video, I would categorize this one as, as an advanced as someone who you know, we're going to get advanced. So if you're just starting, don't be paranoid. Don't freak out. Um, this is something to aspire to. And there's just some gold nuggets that we're going to have for everyone. So we'll be right back. So did you enjoy part one of this four-part interview with Mr. Thomas Barr? I just love the way Thomas breaks things down. It's just so pragmatic, so simple. It's just after you hear it, it goes, yeah, that just makes sense, right? So guys, remember action and implementation from what you heard. It's not the consumption, it's the creation and it's the moving forward with the action. So speaking of action, as I alluded to in the opening of today's first episode is we're having a comment contest. So if you'd like to get a free copy of Thomas's book, 80 Lessons Learned, The Journey from 80,000 to 80 Million, I will ship you one free of charge, but you have to do something. So here's the thing. Number one, there is only 17 books. So it's the first 17 people. And I'm going to monitor this as well. So please, you have to jump onto Apple Podcasts. If you jump onto Apple Podcasts, you leave a review of uh, the podcast. Then you have to screenshot it and you have to send me an email with your information. Now, there are a couple steps. Now, here's the thing is people that take the action, people that shoot the puck, people that follow through with velocity should be rewarded. So if you leave a review, take a simple screenshot of it, put that into a email, hello at russellwescott.com, send it to me with your mailing address, and I will be happy to send you. If you're one of the first 17 people, I'll be happy to send you a free copy of Thomas Byers' book. Okay, gang? So we'll leave it there. More to follow. 
Uh, you don't have to wait an entire week for the next episode to come out. You only have to wait a couple more days. So please implement what you've learned from this one. And the next episode is coming out very shortly. So make sure you're subscribed. Hit that little checkmark notification on the podcast player to get an instant download and you will get it directly to your device of choice. Okay, gang, you know how we end off each and every one of these episodes in every interaction you have with another person. Always, always, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.